Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're with us here. We're in this series called Great Expectations. This is actually the final week of it. So if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, I'm going to encourage you to go to our website and this idea of how do we be rich in what matters most in life. And, and over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of set uh, a foundation of this idea that there's some good news that we have and some bad news that we all face out there. And the good news is this, is the good news is, is that we are rich. If you live in America and you make $33,000 or more a year, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world, which is pretty outstanding, which means that you're doing pretty well in life. That's some really, really, really good news because most of us won't. Now, the bad news of that is, is that you're rich. And because you're rich, you are facing some rich people problems. You know, we have a, a lot of things that are constantly tugging at us for priorities because we have more opportunities than most people do in the world. We have um, all kinds of uh, things that are out there that, you know, are pulling us away from Things that are good in lives, sometimes some things that aren't so good because of money, and it makes us a lot less dependent on God than we should be because we can be dependent on ourselves because we have so much. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at 18 and sometimes 19, and, and hopefully by this point, uh, you, you kind of have this memorized to some degree because I think it's a rich set of texts. And it says this, it says, command those who are rich. Now, that's all of us. We've kind of established that, that line. It says, command those who are rich. In this present world, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain to put their hope in God. And this is so powerful because I love what he says, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And, and what it's saying, so that we can enjoy things. Like he's given us all the wealth that we have so we can enjoy that. But that's not all of it. And so in verse 18, he says this. He says, command these rich people to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And, and we talked about the theme last week about the whole idea of being generous and willing to share. We talked about being generous as a church and being generous as a people and generosity is a, is a value that we have here. And today we're going to focus on the other part of that second verse of how to be rich and to, to works in life. And what's interesting is, is typically the exact opposite happens in life. When we start to acquire more, we start to get more in life, we have the propensity to not be others-focused more. We have the propensity to become more self-focused as we acquire more things. And let me kind of explain it like this, because I know this has been true in my life. I'm going to guess it's probably been true in your life. When you've gotten a raise or your spouse has gotten a raise, you've increased your income. Our first tendency is usually to go, you know what? Redo in the kitchen. Kitchens redone are a good thing. Uh, and so, but we want to go and spend that. Or we say, you know what? When the kids get old enough, because we've increased our income, when they're not in diapers anymore, praise the Lord, hallelujah. When they're not in diapers anymore, we're going to go to Disney World. We're going to take a vacation because we have the opportunity to do that. Not that Disney's bad, but we say we want to go do these things. Or we say, you know what? Let's go shopping or let's go buy a bigger house or get a newer car. Not that any of those things are bad things. It's just we have the tendency, instead of saying, like, God, will you given me more? What should I do? We have the tendency to say centered in that, that perspective rather than other-centered. And Paul said, that's not how to be rich. That's not the right way to be rich. The right way to be rich is to be generous and willing to share and to go and do good deeds and make a difference in other people's lives. And so to be rich in helping others. And so this is my kind of baseline question for all of us today is how are we at being rich in good deeds? 
How are you at being rich in good deeds? Would you look at your life and say, you know what? I see things that are going on in their lives and I instantaneously step out and I try to fulfill those things and I try to make those things happen. Or maybe, maybe you're not rich. Maybe you're middle class when it comes to good deeds. Sometimes you do well, sometimes you don't. You know, it's, it's kind of a hit or miss thing. And then some of us, we're... We're just poor in good deeds. Like, it's something that doesn't really happen very often. We wouldn't say, man, I'm rich. I'm actually poor because when those opportunities arise, I don't really jump on them. And, and Paul is telling us, command those who are rich in this present world to be good. I've been building a statement over the last couple of weeks, and I want to add a little bit to it. And it's, it says this. It says, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. That's kind of what we're adding today. I will, because I'm rich, I have more, I will give more, and I will do more. And that's the whole idea that, that Paul was talking about. Because we're so rich, because we've been so blessed, if we miss this part right here, then we'll miss the whole point of what he's trying to talk about in life. Because we're talking about good deeds and we're talking about good works, and those are important things. And if you're taking notes, we need to understand that we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. Like God set us free. God came and sent his son on this earth to die so that we could be saved for good knocks, not saved by good works. God isn't like, hey, if you do enough good, then you will eventually make it to heaven. If you're spiritual enough, then you'll be saved by those good works. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you are saved for good works. You're saved by grace for good works. And you're not made right with God by those good works. You're made right by God by what he's already done. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. And this is, this is such good news for us. Like this isn't something that we've done or we have accomplished. And he goes on to say, it is a gift for God. It's not by works so that you can go like, hey, I'm more righteous than you. And, and, and because you're not very righteous, sucks to be you. You're probably not going to make it to heaven. Like that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you can't boast about what God has done because there's nothing within you that made that possible. God did that all in the possibility of himself. Then he says, for we are God's handiwork. Another version says we are his masterpiece. I love that, that visualization of like God has created us to be something absolutely incredible. And the reason he's created us works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And check this out because this is so big. God loves you so much. That before you were ever born, before you were ever even thought of, before your parents even saw each other and lusted after one another, like before they had any bad thoughts, they, like God was thinking about you and he said, man, I'm creating them and I've got something incredible for them. Like they are perfect and they are awesome and I've, they need in order to accomplish that purpose. Like everything that you need to do, the good works in life is already within you is what he's saying. And every now and then in life, we'll start to sense that. We'll start to sense like, man, this must be that divine God moment in my life where, where like I step into a situation or you step into a situation you feel like, man, this situation was made specifically for me. Like this is the perfect place for me because I've got the gifts and I've got the talent and I've got the time to make this thing happen. And I don't know what it is for you, but when you step into it, you just feel like, man, see some woman pulled over on the side of the road because her tire blew out. And, and so you've been having these dreams 
of being like a, a pit person in a NASCAR race. And so you pull over and you jump out and you say, ma'am, I'm at your service. And you jump out with your air gun and boop, 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 like pull that tire off, throw a new one on. And she's like, man, can I pay you to do this? No, I was created for this. Man, I had the time and I had the gifts and I've taken care of it because I was created to do good works. Maybe for some of you, you love cooking and like all the cooking shows are your like BFFs in life. You have no Bobby Flay or like homeboys, okay? Like you're doing souffles with him or something. I don't know. And, and you hear about somebody that's sick and you're like, man, I wish I could help them out. And then you were like, oh my gosh, I love cooking. Me and Bobby, we just cooked this up. Like I should cook those people a meal. And you think, man, I'll cook them a meal and it's going to be so good that when they taste it, they're going to be healed and they taste it and they get healed. And you're like, hallelujah, because you were created for that moment and to do that thing. And you had the time and the talent to do it. Some of you, 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 know, you know some people that have some bad days. Anybody know anybody that has some bad days some days? For real. And if you don't, get into a connect group. I promise you'll get to know somebody, okay? They'll have a bad day, and you'll, then you'll be able to raise your hand next time. Like, we all know people that have bad days, and, and, and there you're thinking, like, what can I do to help them? And, and girls, you realize, man, man, God's giving me some big ears, and so you pull those ears out from behind your hair, and you go, man, he's giving me these big ears. I wonder what I could do with these. And you go, got it. I could listen to them. And you step up and you, you listen to their problems and you listen to their day. And all they really needed to do was talk to someone. You had the gift and all of a sudden, man, you're using the gift that God gave you to listen and help somebody out. We all have moments like this. They're all around us. When we first moved here, um, I, I didn't know anybody uh, five years ago. We moved here almost exactly five years ago right now. And, and I, was, I remember driving down 441 heading south because I didn't know anybody. I was just like driving around and because I was just driving around, I was just praying because I was like, God, please help me to find somebody that will talk to me. Like anybody out the top down, I'm just praying. I'm listening to some worship music and I'm at a stoplight um, right around Copens Road and, and a guy is walking on the sidewalk and he looks over at me and goes, hey, can I, have a, can I get a rod? And I go, no. And I just turn my music up and, and, you know, and you're praying that moment like, God, give me opportunities. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, that was my opportunity. And so as we're pulling away, I, I pull in and kind of cut him off on the sidewalk. And I say, hey, bro, jump in. He's like, for real? And I'm like, for real. And so he jumps in, and I'm like, where are you heading? He's like, I'm going straight down 441. Got any opportunities out there? He's like, man, I'm just coming from an interview. I was like, that's why you're all dressed up and sweaty. He's like, yeah, man, it's hot outside. And I was like, man, that, that's horrible. And so I'm talking with him this whole time, asking him all about his life. And finally, we get to where he's going. And I said, man, I, I, can I pray for you before you go? Because like, that's the one thing I could give. Besides a rod, I know how to pray for people. And so I'm like, can I pray for you? And so I pray for him. And I let him go on his way. And he says, by the way, what do you do? And I said, man, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church. And I, I hand him a, an invite card to our church service. It's going to happen a couple months later. Opportunities for you to do good works. You know what happened on that first service that Sunday? That dude showed up to church. Because there was an opportunity that was there that I wasn't created just to exist. But I was created for good works. God had something in advance for me to do. And God has given each and every one of us ability and talent and time to make a difference in people's lives. And so today what I want to do is I want to give us a couple of principles and ideas behind that. And, and I think that if we can, my good deeds should always point to God, not me. I, my good deeds should always point to God and never point to me. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. It says, you are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others. Notice he didn't say, like, let your words be really loud so other people can hear them. Like, Jesus didn't say that right there. He didn't, like, Jesus didn't say, like, let them do that. He didn't say, like, just go live your life so they can see you. Jesus didn't say those things. He said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and they will glorify your Father in heaven. He said, like, listen, I want you to go do good deeds, not so that you can be exalted, so that you can exalt God above everything else. Jesus said, let your light shine. He's not talking about your words. He's talking about your actions in life. And what we got to understand is the greatest that people are ever going to see is how you live out daily your relationship with Jesus. And they're constantly looking, and they're constantly scouring, and they're constantly evaluating, is this really real to them? Are they really living for this Jesus guy? And, and what will happen is our actions through our lifestyle will make them declare the goodness of God. If we live out Jesus and we live out good deeds like Jesus called us to live and how Paul is telling us to be rich in good deeds, people are going to take notice of it and they're not going to make a big deal out of us. They're going to make a big deal out of God. When I first my lifestyle radically, like I stopped hanging out with some of the people I was hanging out with. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing parties. I stopped doing all the crazy things that kind of made my life. I, I replaced coffee uh, f- f- instead of alcohol in my life, and it changed me. And, and, and God started doing something incredible in my life. And, and what happened is all of my friends started abandoning me because I wasn't the same guy. I didn't want to do the same things, and I wasn't about those things. And, and it hurt because one of my best friends, his name was Jason, was one of those guys. And about six or eight months, this guy was like, my boy, if, if, there was, if there was ever a time that like, you're like, that's my best friend. Like, we acted like each other. We looked like each other. We did everything together. Like, it was one of those things that hurt really bad when that relationship kind of dissipated. And I ran into him, and, and I started talking to him one night. And, and we started talking about life, and we started talking about what was going on. And I, I just was there um, in that moment. And, and I was praying for him, and I ended up leading him to Christ that night because of what was going on in his dad's life. His dad at the time had a successful drywall business. It's starting to mess up his business really bad, and, and Jason was pretty worried. And, and so I, I ended up establishing, getting this relationship back with him and leading him back to Christ. And, and I moved back to Texas right after that. And, and Jason continued to live for God. And, and, and we would call and we would talk and we would pray for his dad. And we prayed for him for a couple of years. And, and I'll never forget... Years later, after I lost touch with Jason, um, his dad happened to show up at the church I was working at and, uh, for a service. And, and he's like, man, it's so good to see you, TJ. I was like, man, how's Jason doing? He's like, man, he's doing great. And I just want to tell you I'm doing great. I was like, that's awesome, man. What's, what's been happening? He's like, I want to tell you what happened because God so transformed Jason's life. I ended up going back to rehab and getting my life put back together. And because of that, I found Jesus and I'm living for God now. And I said to myself, man, that is the greatest testimony because I was willing to be obedient in a moment. It glorified God so much through the other person's life that his dad ended up finding Christ and getting saved. But always bring glory to God. And I don't want everybody, anybody to ever say, man, I did so good in all of this stuff and it's all about me because it's never about us. It's always, always about the goodness of God because you're not saved By good works, you're saved for good works. And because we're saved for good works, it's always about what Jesus is doing 
in our life. And so the first principle is, is, is that our good works should never point to us. They should always, always point that need it, not in the way that I want to give it. They got to help others in the way that they need it, not in the way I want to give it. Because consider this, say, say right now, let me just give you an example. Say your house burns down tomorrow and, and I show up at your house on Tuesday and I go, man, I'm so sorry your house burned down. Like, I just, I feel like God put it in my heart to come over and wash your car. Can I wash your car for you? Like, do you really give a rip if I wash your car if your house burned down? No, why do I want to wash your car? Because that's what I feel like giving you. And that isn't helping them in that moment. It's, it's actually, it's not like, this is what happens. And I'm going to bash Christians a little bit here. So if this is you, I'm sorry. Uh, just feel convicted. Okay. And, and so what happens, what happens is, is you heard somebody, somebody struggling to put food on the table. And so you think to yourself, man, I got it. And you call them up and you go, you know what? I've got an old couch that I don't want anymore. And if you'll come over and pick it up, you can have it. And you feel so good about yourself, don't you? You're like, I just did something awesome. I'm hooking them up with my old crusty couch. And what they need is they need some food on the table. But you're giving in the way that you, we need to help them in the way that they need help, not in the way that we want to give help. That's why Jesus modeled this for us. In Acts 10, 38, it said, then Jesus went around. And what was he doing when he was going around? It says he was doing good. Like Jesus was out making a difference. And if we're going to be rich in good deeds, we've got to be doing the same things that Jesus was doing. He was out doing good. It says, and how was he doing the good? He was healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Like Jesus was, let me go turn some water into wine so you can get drunk tonight and wash away all of your sorrows for the evening. He wasn't like, hey, let me go fishing and pull out a coin and give you 20 bucks and flip it to you and make you feel better. He, no, he went and took care of the need based on what the need was, not what he wanted to give them. And we need to do the same thing. He, we need to know that, man, if as Christ followers, we're there to make a difference. We're there to meet people's needs. And this is, and this is important for us to understand as well, is we're there. What we want to do is we want to give a handout and just walk away. What we need to do is we need to go. We need to help people get back up out of their situation. We need to make a difference in their life so that they're not struggling with the same thing over and over and over again. And a lot of times what we're doing is we're crippling people because we're giving them handouts instead of giving them hands up. Uh, at Christmas time is a great example. I, one of the things that I love about our church, and you guys will probably experience it this Christmas because you weren't here a Christmas ago. So, uh, but we go into Collier City and other developing neighborhoods, and uh, we make a big had gifts and all of those things. And we try to always do that really, really, really well. But here's what happens is at Christmas time, people do things that are very, very detrimental. And they don't give a, a, a hand up. They give a hand out. And so here's what happens when they do it bad. Is they think, man, I want to go hook this family up. And so they go to a poor family and they buy this expensive, extravagant gift. They go get a family that's living on welfare, an iPhone with a data plan, and give it to a kid not realizing that that is an awesome gift and that kid's going to love it, but you have just become the hero of that family instead of the father and the mother being the hero of that family. Because what you've done is you've created resentment in those kids towards their parents because they're looking at their dad who's sitting in the corner resenting him because he hasn't been able to provide the gifts that every other kid has come into and have, and now you're coming in and being that, and all you've done is created a major rift in that family. That's doing it poorly. Or, or like this, people go on a missions trip. And this, is, this happens all the time. 
And the missionaries, first thing they do is they tell you, listen, whatever you do, do not give people in tangible, physical ways, but don't do it in a monetary way. And people will see some kid or some mother that's poor and desperate, and they look in their wallet, and they see $40, and they think to themselves, man, if I give them this $40, that would be like two or three months of rent for them and, and living expenses, and this is like five lattes for me. And so, like, and so they, in that moment, they want to feel good for themselves, and they want to do something for themselves, and so they hand that money to those people, not realizing that when they hand that money to that woman or that child, what they've just done is they just to survive for themselves, giving them the skills and the resources. And now instead of depending on the skills and the resources they have, they're depending on outsiders for their livelihood and they're never going to survive. But we wanted to feel good about it in that moment. And Jesus said, man, we shouldn't be giving in the way that's good for us. We should be giving in the way that's good for them. And we don't give handouts. We give people a hand to raise them up to become all that God has called them to be. And as a church, we're madly passionate about this thing, man. We're about giving people what comes to people. It's always about how do we go above and beyond so that those people can take their lives to the next level in their relationship with God. And that whole idea of the extra mile, that's actually a biblical idea. Jesus kind of invented this concept of going the extra mile that we use all the time. It says in Matthew 5, 41, here's where the application of it comes from. It says, if anyone forces you to go to mile, you should go two miles. And what he's saying there is that back in biblical times, a Roman soldier had the right to go to any person a mile, a Roman mile. And a Roman mile was, it was a thousand paces carrying their stuff. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I know that if a Roman soldier comes to you and says, walk with me for a mile and you have to carry his stuff, you have an obligation to do that. We are oblig- That's something we have to do. But I don't want this just to be a have to do thing for you. I want this to be a get to do thing. Like this isn't something you have to do. This is something you get to do. And so you're not just going to go one mile. You're going to go two because when he looks at you and goes, what are you doing? You say, man, God has blessed me so much. He's equipped me so much. I'm not just going to take your, what you've asked me to call you to become because that's That's what God has asked us to do. He's asked us to go above and beyond what's comfortable in life. And we're not just going to give people what we want to give them. We're going to give them what they need. And I don't know how that applies to you. Maybe for you teenagers that are in here tonight, maybe, maybe you have a babysitting job and this week you're going there and, and instead of paying, having getting paid for that babysitting job, you say, you know what, tonight this one's on me. I'm going to babysit for free. And so you go and you babysit those kids. And while those parents, you go and you wash the dishes and you put the toys away. And when they come home, you say, man, I'm so glad I got to hook you guys up tonight. I hope you had a great date night. And you go the extra mile. Or maybe you're taking care of some meals for a family that just had a baby or is going through a tragedy. And it's really easy to go through McDonald's and just go supersize me. And instead of doing that, you go and you cook them a, a full course meal where you have appetizers, the entree, and a dessert, and you pick up utensils, and you pick up drinks, and you just go, you know what, I just want to bless you more than what is it's what I want to give to you. It's because I want to help you out in this situation. I want to give you a hand up in this moment in time. Because we're blessed. We're not going to be poor in good deeds. We're going to be excellent. We're going to be willing to go the extra mile in good deeds in life. And the third principle is this, and this is, this is probably my favorite thought, and uh, I hope it inspires you and lights you on fire to, to be the church because I think my good deeds will represent God in the church, through the church, 
and for the church to give glory to God in all that we do. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Like, what does that mean? It means this. It is, I have an accountability partner in life that helps me stay in, on track and in my spiritual life. And, and I have some that are at a distance and I have one here locally. He's another pastor. And uh, so much fun because Every week, like, he is challenging me to take two or three more steps than what I'm comfortable going. And every week, I'm, I'm pushing him a little bit further. And what we're doing is we're spurring each other on to be the best Christ followers that we can possibly be. We're not going to be satisfied with where we're currently at, but we're constantly pushing each other. We're constantly serving one another. We're constantly challenging each other's churches to be all that God has called us to be. And we're not going to settle for anything less than that in life. And so we're spurring one another on and we're encouraging one another. We'll do four. And we're constantly saying, like, how do we reach more people? What can we do to develop our relationship with God? How can we help our people in our church grow? How can we do these? And we're constantly pushing one another on. We're spurring each other to greater things because of the relationship. And he goes on to say, like, let's consider how we spur one another on. But the writer of Hebrews says, how we do that is we don't give up meeting with one another. It says, quite honestly, as the places where you get spurred, you get spurred in church. Somebody's up there challenging you, challenging you to be better and go further and do more for Jesus. Like, don't give that up. Don't give up that connect group. Don't give up those relationships that are constantly challenging you to be more than God, than, than what you currently see yourself as towards what God wants you to be. He's saying, keep moving forward. Don't allow yourself to fall back. Keep connected and how can we make a difference and you spur one another on to see all that God wants you to do in your life and when we start doing it says is that we live the life that is truly life so many of us have thought that the life that is truly life is, is if we just acquire more stuff when we get those things we'll feel like we're accomplished but that feeling of accomplishment that feeling of satisfaction it's fading because stuff always fades away. But you know what never does? is a changed life. There's a difference made in somebody's life. That never fades away. That lasts for all the rich and good deeds. Be rich in good deeds. And here's what we forget is that it's challenging the church to be this. But you know what? You are the church. The church isn't facilities. The church isn't coastal community church. The church is people. And Paul was saying like, listen, we need to be the church. And, and Jesus died for the church. Which he's saying, build my people. Whatever it takes, build people. Make people. Help them develop. Help them to grow. Help them to become all that they are called to become. And the way that we do that is we use the gifts and the talents that he's given each and every one of us. And we use them to build his church. We use them to build his people. We use them to encourage his people so that he will be glorified. And the problem is, is that there's a whole bunch of people that come and sit here in church and we're glad that you're here. If you're just visiting, man, we love that you're here. The way that God created you to be used and you're not utilizing the talents that he's given you. You're just letting them lie dormant and you're wondering why you're not fulfilled in life. And no matter how much you accomplish, no matter how much you gain, why you're always lacking because you're not 
being the masterpiece that God called you to be. And the only way you're going to be that masterpiece is by using those talents to glorify him. Man, I'm going to brag on some people that, that make Phillips that go to SOS Children's Village, which is a foster care community in Coconut Creek every single week. And they're loving on these girls that are in foster care that have feel like they've lost hope and they've lost their dignity and they lost their respect. And they're going in there and they're building character and they're building value in these girls. And these girls are starting to see their lives from more than what they currently see. And they're starting to see Jesus and they're starting to find Jesus. Man, these women, they are rich in good deeds because they're living not for themselves and not for their glory, but so that Jesus gets every ounce of the glory. I think about somebody like a kids creating environments so kids can come and experience the presence of God and so that parents can walk away and know that their kids feel safe and so they can come into a worship environment and hear about God's truth and, and encounter God and live that out. Man, she is rich in good deeds because she has a heart to make a difference no matter what the cost. I think about a Reuben and Evelyn Mercado who, who have been going and feeding homeless for years now every single weekend with their family going and setting this precedent like man, we're going to take care of the least of these. Man, they're rich in good deeds. I think 90% of this stuff that you see around here from lights and speakers and taping things down, this is a, a dad and his five-year-old getting up at the butt crack of dawn to make an environment that is a movie theater into a church so you can experience the presence of God because they've had their lives transformed. And his son every Sunday gets up and says, Dad, are we going to go make church happen? Like they are rich in good deeds. I think about a guy like Scott Marks who leads outreach teams into the into communities where they're taking care of of single moms and widows and and people that are in need and they're going and they're fixing up housing in the church we're just a bunch of guys that want to see god use us to make a difference through the skills and abilities that we have and let me tell you something they're making a huge difference in the world and let me tell you something the government and i'm not anti-government but the government is not the greatest hope for people in the world the local church is the greatest hope for people in the world and if we can be the church and we'll say we're going to die to ourselves and we're going to live our lives for jesus giving it all then the entire world will see his glory. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's right. Somebody should clap. We'll get it in the freaking game. It's time to get in the game. It's time to be the church. It's time to be rich in what matters most. And what matters most is God's kingdom, not our kingdom. It's not about us. It's all about him. And when we live to glorify him and we live in those weeds, in those ways, we'll be rich in what matters most. Maybe today you think about your life and you go, man, my, that you can start. It starts with a decision. It starts with saying, you know what? I'm not going to be self-focused anymore. I'm going to be selfless and realize that God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I won't trust in riches alone, but I'll trust in him, God, who richly provides everything that I need. And because I'm rich, let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. And I thank you that you have blessed every single one of us so richly. You've blessed us in a variety of ways, from relationships to things to stuff to physical wealth to relational wealth. And sometimes we fail to realize 
what you want to do and how you want to move in our lives. And as some of us look at our lives, we might realize that, man, you know, really, really well at that. But then, God, I know that there's some of us that would go, man, I'm, I'm kind of middle class when it comes to this. And maybe even some of us that would say, you know what, I, I, I'm kind of in poverty when it comes to this. And God, I pray that today that we would not settle for anything less than the fullness of all that you've called us to. God, that we would not be content with an average life, but God, we would only be content living out the masterpiece that you created for us to live, that you created in advance for us to do. God, I pray that today would be a day that we step out and step into the beginnings of how you want to move in our life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.